What's up guys, hope you're having a great day. I am excited to share my conversation today with Dr. Mumta Kamar. She has a really interesting story. She started out in, as a physician in traditional practice and had some big challenges come up and ultimately they propelled her in a different direction, a completely different direction. At first, not so much. She at first transitioned into more of like a integrative medicine type practice that she created herself. But ultimately, she transitioned into becoming an investor in real estate and in particular land investing, which is kind of a, a, a niche within real estate. And so her story and that transition and how she was able to work through that is a lot of what we talk about today. And, you know, you might imagine it was a challenging decision for her to transition out of medicine. And there was a lot of guilt associated and a lot of pressure around that. But she shares how education was really important and having a plan and a team in place and support systems, all those sorts of things were really, really key to her being able to make this big decision. We also talk about mindset and how important that is and, and having good awareness of your values and alignment with the actions that you're taking, which allow you to really focus and ultimately take actions, even when they're big, scary things that require a lot of courage. So her story is really interesting. She was able to kind of lean into that, some of these big, scary decisions and had the courage to make some big changes. And you can tell today, like from our conversation, she's happy. She's really doing what she's meant to do. And, and it shows from our conversation. So without further ado, we will jump into our conversation now. Welcome to Finance for Physicians, a show where we empower physicians like you to practice medicine the way you always dreamed you would. This podcast features doctors, physicians, and experts that share one main thing in common. We believe having control of our finances leads to having control of our lives. In a world where doctors' lives are often dictated by our needs to maximize income, pay back massive student loans, and buy homes, many of us give up reaching those goals. But it doesn't have to be this way. you are ready to learn how financial wellness creates happier doctors and patients, then I'm your guy. I'm your host and financial expert, Daniel Wren. Let's get started. Mamta, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Daniel, for having me. I am excited about our conversation. I know you've had some, a lot of stuff going on and we were just catching up about a few of the things, but you've had a kind of an interesting transition from working. Well, I guess originally we were talking before you started in traditional healthcare, working as a physician and had had some burnout and made a, a pretty big shift into starting your own integrated medicine practice. And, and now you've been focusing more on land investing and even teaching other physicians how to do that. And so you've had quite a few different transitions, but I'm just curious, like after spending, you know, better than anybody and a lot of our audience does is like, there's so much time dedicated to the training of becoming a physician and after spending so much time and effort in training to become a physician, what was, it had to have been some pretty big motivation to make a shift out of that into something, especially like completely different. Like I can get like the starting your own practice thing. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. But like investing in land, like what's the motivation behind like the shift 
to going a different direction like that. And then is there any like guilt around that? Does it feel you're kind of like leaving something behind? Yeah, that's a great question. And in fact, you have summarized it so well, Daniel. This journey has been long. Getting into medicine, first of all, is not easy. And after all that struggle, getting into the medicine, finishing the training. And I finished my residency in 2012, like exactly 11 years ago. And I never thought I would be ever pivoting out because I thought I always loved medicine. I always wanted to continue to practice medicine. Just being a dentist physician, have a boring job. And just live in a town where I initially moved to and then just live in a beautiful house. And then that's how life would be. But as life changes, right? At that time, I had just one little girl who had, I did have some complexities around that, but she was okay. But the second child, which I had within two years of my attending job, was a complex pregnancy and a complex, medically complex child. So that's what started that struggle, feeling that I wanted to stay in medicine, but I didn't have that much time. The time was something which was so scarce, and I found myself just trying to kind of juggle and see, was medicine still a priority for me, or is it these kids in the family? And with time, that it was not like in a day, I realized that, oh no, I do want to kind of cut down my work in clinical medicine and do other things. But within six to seven years after switching back and forth, different jobs, different positions, different hours of work, just to see if I was able to have more personal time. Eventually in 2018, I switched to part-time hospitalist job. And then I had some more health issues. And then I started degraded medicine training. That was initially not for, it was not a career move. It was for my own health issues. And I was like, you know what? This is great. I feel like this has changed my life. And this is very different from traditional medicine. So how about let me start practicing that? Because I was still not contemplating going totally away from medicine. So that's when I started this online telemedicine practice and pandemic. But again, I never had a business background. So I didn't know how to kind of market, get clients and this and that. But also as a side gig, I had started in land investing. That was in 2018 as well. So that whatever changes I was making in my job position, I was just building out another side gig, which would have a solid income for me and provide some financial freedom for me and our family so that I could, I didn't need to trade my time with work as an employee. So that's when I realized that even though now, the tra traditional medicine was gone. And now the two things which were left was this integrative medicine and the land investing. And I was trying to work on both. And I realized that with land investing, I was able to get results faster. And I started to develop team around it. That business just continued to grow. And integrative medicine, not necessarily, you know, it's just different business, right? So it was, I, I started to just face those struggles of business owner, like how to run this business. And it kept on learning the skills on the real estate side, which I kept on implementing. And it seemed like at one point I had to choose. And this was basically actually in February, 2023 this year. I was like, you know what? I cannot just keep on doing these two things. Nothing is making sense. And a lot of physicians were interested in learning land investing. At that time, I made this hard decision that I'm not going to pursue integrative medicine at this point. At one point, that's still a possibility. But right now, I just want to focus on the real estate because this is not just a freedom for me for right now. It's for my own future, my kids, for the next generation, freedom as well. It was a little bit of hard decision to make, but I really think for with all my past years, 
of slowly just going into that road less traveled, I think I was almost getting to the point where I just, I was conscious and I just made a decision that, okay, I don't have to keep on doing the things which is just expected out of me just because I'm a physician. Was there any guilt around that? Leaving medicine? There was a lot of guilt around that. Like throughout the pandemic, when I quit clinical medicine, the traditional and then integrative, I believe the integrative practice also came around with that guilt. I really think at my core, I didn't want to do it. And that's why I would never market it. And I would mm -hmm. keep on doing the real estate gig and it started to give me results and I'll do more and more of that. I had multiple life coaches. I have had worked with two multiple, yeah, two life coaches. And I think the main issue was this. I don't know why I love medicine. I want to continue to do medicine. But when it comes to action taking, the, my whole day goes in the real estate, not in medicine. And that's when they introduced this idea. What if you just don't expect anything out of it? If you're doing something each day, just keep on taking it that way. And there were a few instances when a lot of my friends who had met in the virtual world after the pandemic, we started to meet face-to-face -face, and they started to say or notice that it seems like you get very excited when you talk about land investing, but I don't notice that excitement in the integrative space, which was something which was eye-opening for me, which made me go back and rethink, why is that? Or is that even true? And then I realized that, yeah, I mean, I, I do really feel a lot more passionate about plan investing now that integrative medicine and that was eye-opener for me mm -hmm. yeah. yeah we see that a lot in our the families that we work with so i can't remember how much we talked about it but my day job we work with families physician families in their with their finances and you know how finances like you get into everything but like you can see it's hard sometimes to identify these things yourself really hard yeah. and so as like the third party that kind of like knows all the stuff we really oftentimes will see these things we're like man you just don't seem very excited about this thing or like you get really excited about when you talk about this kind of thing that's always such a great mm -hmm. indicator of which direction you should go it's also yeah. like an indicator of burnout and like if you're just dreading something it's scary how many families we work with that are just like dreading their work and that is like that's no good like I don't want my physician to dread their work like that's scary and yeah. on multiple levels but then when you're excited that's like where you get the passion and you can really knock it out of the park but like you have to I don't know what it is I guess you have to be willing to because it's really like I said hard it sounds like with you you didn't quite self-diagnose that exactly no I didn't but one other thing, you're right, like, you know, on the same pod, when I decided like in February, no, January, I was like, you know what, let me look at some PRN job opportunities. And I was working as a hospitalist before. That meant my shifts were going to be 12 hour shifts. And then I started to interview at some places. And then I started to imagine how it would feel to wake up at five o'clock, get ready and leave at six o'clock and then be at work all day and come back at around 7.30. Gosh, I couldn't just digest that. I was like, I don't want to be in that situation. I just don't want that. Like, I really don't like that. So coming from both places, when other people started telling me, hey, you seem to get too excited when you talk about land investing. <laughs> and I realized that I'm not too excited about these PRN opportunities at all. And that's when it was just kind of so clear. I was like, you know, even though I have worked so hard for medicine, but it's just so clear as day and night that I do not, even though I love that clinical part of the patient and doctor relationship, but again, you know, it's just no way possible other than me practicing on my own terms, which I don't have time for right now. Yeah. When you have, the other thing is when your time, you, you mentioned earlier, 
like yeah. your time was so scarce. It's almost compounds it, I think, when the time is limited to be able to self-diagnose things on top of the fact that you don't even have any time to like look yeah. for opportunities or whatever. Oh, yes. It, it makes you almost more stuck when you're... Mm -hmm. So that's the challenge is like you get in these hospitals. You were in hosp hospitals, right? That was my last job. Yeah. So that's like all in and then you got nothing, nothing left in the tank when you get home. So it's like, how do you sh make a big shift if mm -hmm. it's burning you out? With you, when you got no, when you have no gas mm -hmm. left in the tank, did you you had some outside things that prompted you to kind of make that shift, or or you were able to kind of take some part time gigs and that kind of thing? Is that it was your shift a little bit slower? It was very slow, as slow as I could have, mm -hmm. because I definitely wanted to give myself enough time to think. So between jobs, I had taken some time off. I was a nighttime nocturnist before, then hospitalist, even though it, I was part time. So I have to, I know for physicians, when anybody's working full time all the time, they don't have time at all. Mm. But since I had taken breaks in between jobs, I was taking part time jobs. So I had like one week of like a lot of work, 80 plus hours of work, but three weeks were off. I did have a little bit of time, way more than compared to any, anyone else would have to kind of ponder and go through that and create a plan which worked for me and my needs and our family. It was very personalized thing. I don't think anybody talks about, like, it's, it's very hard to kind of have these kind of conversations of pivoting, especially in the physician world, because, you know, it's just so hard to get into. And even that thought, nobody entertains to leave or have life on your terms. Like, nobody entertains that thought for long enough. Yeah, it's like you, you don't have anybody to talk to. Yeah. And it's difficult to figure out yourself when yeah. you're just talking to yourself or Googling online or whatever. <laughs> So who did you talk to about it? Well, who were some of the people that you were able to talk to? Because I mean, like I can imagine, you know, your spouse or close friends, but like the challenge there is like, maybe they don't have the expertise exactly. Or like your certain relationships are kind of like your yes people, like they just try to build you up. So but it was very slow transition. And I was just being open to the idea that I could be somebody who is not practicing traditional medicine in the virtual world, just being an inter physician entrepreneur. And I really think not necessarily talking to somebody, but seeing different role models during this pandemic when we were not able to meet in person, but there were multiple virtual groups out there where I could see and, and connect virtually with a lot of other physician entrepreneurs mm -hmm. who were not necessarily leaving the medicine per se, right away, but we're starting the side gigs. We're being more successful. We're able to cut down their hours at their clinical role. I really think that was something which made it possible for me to even think that that's a possibility for me. And after seeing that, I was just kind of open to that idea. It took a long time to kind of think that, oh, okay, it's good for them. Like they were able to do it. Like it's not going to be possible for me. But after just seeing different examples again and again in different arena, even though nobody was in land investing, but other kind of investment, yeah. or even non-investing, other things. So I was like, you know what? If they can do it, then all I have to do is just persist and continue to practice what I know. Time is what is going to compound things. And that's what was kind of motivational for me to kind of so that I could just pursue this. Yeah, it was like a mindset. mindset yeah, it was way shift. more than a yeah, mindset. It was not like a day decision where I decided, oh, I'm going to be an investor. No. <laughs> Tomorrow. It was a very slow transition, which I right. could take. It was not an overnight. I wish it was overnight. Then right. it would have saved me that many years of pain and agony and then not knowing what should I do? Should I even leave medicine? But why? These kind of things. But I'm glad that I went through that process. And now I feel very comfortable and at ease 
of whatever choices I've made in my life. And you you mentioned you'd worked with some life coaches, and I imagine that that sort of thing helped. That quite was a bit too, first but... one was yeah. Second one was a business coach, but the first one was like right when I left medicine, and I was just in this identity crisis where I have been physician for twenty years, and if I'm not practicing physician, and I don't even know if I want to go back, what am I going to be? You know, mm-hmm. I was just like totally lost. You're like I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. I mean. <laughs> Most people don't actually, if they're honest, Yes, (laughs) it's evolving too. So how did your finances play into the fears and the concerns around those big potential decisions and the, you know, the shifts that you had along the way? I definitely think finances was a big, big reason why I made this massive pivots and changes. So when I left clinical medicine and pandemic, I looked at my finances. I went to medical college in year 2000 and this happened in 2020. So this was 20 years later. Finances were never a priority. I didn't have any knowledge around it. But when I left, then I had to go back and look at my accounts and I was not necessarily very happy with what I saw because not having any knowledge around finances, I always shied away from making those financial decisions, which was going to be helpful for me. I just didn't want to learn those skills. And when I saw the numbers at that time, I was really not happy. And when I decided to be entrepreneur, the two options which I had was telemedicine, you know, clinic owner versus the investor. The main reason I really think, you know, day-to-day why I was choosing to be an investor, not a clinic owner, was because even as somebody who was running or owning a telemedicine practice, I was going to be exchanging my time for what I would earn. Mm. And I didn't want to do that. So that was my core, even though I loved to do that, but I was like, gosh, I'll be changing my time for money again, you know, and I don't want to do that. So, and that's why I chose the investing route because I was like, okay, I can invest and I can get my return and then I can build a business around it. I can hire other people who can do certain things for me and I can have my time back. So this was the main reason why I kind of chose being a land investor and created the business around it and the way it is right now. Now, while we're talking about time, there is quite a bit of time involved in real estate. However, I mean, well, if I'm a physician, I'm listening and I'm like, that sounds really nice. You know, mm-hmm. like what you just described is does sound really good. It's like, I like the idea of not swapping time for dollars because I'm so in, in the practice of medicine, it's like very much time for dollars. And although you do get a really good hourly rate, that's what it is. It's time for, unless you own a practice. Now, when you own a practice, you can start to get some sort of equity building or that kind of thing. But if you're not there, you're just swapping time for dollars. So the idea of not doing as much of that in building equity sounds really nice. It is, you know, I wish I said, you know, it was as easy as it sounds because for one year when I decided that this is what I'm going to be doing and I'm going to be full in, I honestly was working 40 hours per week at that point to kind of make same income, which I did as a physician. So my work hour to income ratio for first year was exactly the same. I was putting that much hours, but after that, I In the real estate? Yeah, because I was like, you know, I can't hire anybody. I need to do this. Well, we need to buy this property, this and that, evaluation, everything. I was like, you know, just doing it by myself. But after one year, I was like, okay, well, remember what your priorities were. You wanted time freedom, right? 
So then I started to kind of hire and build a little bit more system behind it because nobody teaches you how to be a business owner, you know, right? And like, mm -hmm. I have no background whatsoever, not even in my remote family who are business owners. So I had no clue, but I had to learn that way. And then I started to hire and teach them. Like, for example, this morning, I met with my two team members and the whole meeting lasted for an hour and 45 minutes. I think I have to kind of do what is assigned to me. It'll take me an hour. And then after that, we'll be packing and we'll be going out on vacation. And when I come on Monday, I'll be probably spending a few more hours. Mm. So having that team, they are able to put in about 40 hours per week for me. But my time gets freed up. All I have to do is probably 10 hours per week, unless we are doing some massive changes and stuff like that. But I don't think I was going to be able to do that being a full-time position. I think it's kind of almost impossible for somebody to do that. Somebody's working full time. Yeah, I think that's usually the challenge is like a lot of families we work with are um, will kind of like dabble in real estate a little bit. And it yeah. becomes, I think they really hear this sort of thing we're talking about. And yep. it sounds real catchy. Yeah, and dabbling is different. I knew I was not here to not dabble. You were all in. You were like, I was I'm all not in. dabbling. Yeah. And there were some times okay. I was up till 2 a.m. and doing what I needed to do and get done. I, yeah, that's super important to take away. Yes. Like dabbling in real estate like I'm, I'm doing that yeah. often doesn't go too well or i mean it it's okay yeah, you to would even dabble, lose. But... you would even lose because we lost in real estate before when i was dabbling and right now like my husband is an it person and i'm non-it but i can fix the tech issues behind the system and crm way better than him because i'm the one who learned all these skills and built it from the scratch mm -hmm. and i created the system around it like this is how we're going to be doing it stuff like that even though i don't have an mba he has an mba but he works full time at his work so mm -hmm. there were a lot of skills which i learned on the way which requires quite a bit of commitment that you're going to make it work did anybody help you with finances you had mentioned we talked about like prior to like some of these big shifts when you're working in traditional healthcare and you kind of got to that breaking point but prior to that did anyone help you with your finances you had mentioned you didn't have a lot of background in it but what was your experience with learning? I never tried to, honestly. I never tried to learn because I always thought as a physician, I would have the earning ability to be able to kind of exchange my hours for a salary. So I never mm. thought that would be an issue. I believe I met with a financial planner once and we went through the numbers and stuff like that. It sounded very overwhelming to me and my husband and both of us just quit and never made that appointment back. I honestly didn't even know or understand any of the discussions, which happen other than that no yeah it's like a foreign topic and you know if you're not feeling like you it's really difficult to make a decision when you're not even really yeah that topic was just not interesting to me at all like i never cared mm -hmm. never read anything about it yeah i never tried to educate myself which i think as physicians we should do way early on even during the residency when we are not earning enough, I think we need to be because we continue to get older. And then by the time we started to have the attending salary, we are older, you know, right. all the situations, they creep up, family kids happen. I think somebody needs to tell us that we need to be way more prepared than we are. Yeah. I mean, we advocate for like financial literacy for physicians as a financial planner. Like my business is in helping people with their finances, which is sometimes a little counterintuitive. People are like, what do you mean you advocate for financial literacy? Like, no. You're like doing it for people, but that's not actually true. Like people have to be like what you just said before, like 
when we have these conversations with people that have low financial literacy, it's really difficult for us to make any progress yes. because there's not even a level of knowledge to, no. we're not in the business of like educating. We're in the mm -hmm. business of like saving people time and like shortcutting and helping them make decisions. And so you have to have for it to be efficient, just like in your real estate business now, like a lot of the people you've hired, I'm sure are doing things you could completely do yourself. <laughs> yeah. But there's a point where in certain situations, like yeah. even though you know the thing, yeah, I don't like have you, to do you it. You ought to like outsource or, or, yeah. or seek some help. But it's a difficult thing to, I think in medicine and the training, the way that training goes, it seems very difficult. Well, it's part, it's not in the curriculum. It's not in the natural training yes. at all. And there's no extra hours. You're working so much. There's no hours. Yeah. There's no hours left to kind of even think about finances. I never thought about it. I never talked. Even in our break rooms, like we never talked about the finances because mm. everybody, yeah, is excited about the medicine, this or that case, and their pulse shifts and stuff like that. There's just like finances is never open discussion among physicians. Let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsor, Ren Financial Planning. Want to hear something cool? My team at Ren Financial Planning has consistently told me that the listeners of this podcast are their favorite people to talk to. Did you know that you can set up a no-cost triage meeting with one of our amazing CFPs at Ren Financial Planning anytime and talk about your biggest financial questions? We can discuss things like considerations for transitioning into practice, getting the best bang for your buck buying a house, the smartest way to pay off student debt, or tips on maximizing your compensation package. Or maybe you'd love a second set of eyes to help look over your tax return or investment allocations. Maybe you'd just like a general second opinion from your existing advisor. Either way, our role in this meeting will be to listen to your concerns and help you start to identify potential actionable next steps so that you can start to make solid progress addressing those concerns as quickly as possible. Schedule a meeting now. You'll see a link in the show notes. And when you do, make sure to indicate you found us from Finance for Physicians. We look forward to talking to you. Okay, let's get back to our show. I feel like when you connect the dots between not finances are boring, kind of when you start to look at the numbers, it's like, eh. but the more you can connect the dots on like money as a tool yeah, and tool for what, like living a good life. So the yeah. living the good life, there's not enough focus on the living the good life part and using money efficiently to accomplish that once you like connect those dots i think it becomes a lot more motivational and you're like oh yeah okay it can make my life better mm -hmm. and so then it's like oh maybe i do want to learn this stuff i think i had a little guilt around finances as well like thinking yeah. about because medicine most of the people who have gone into medicine have chosen the medicine they have the service mindset you know they are willing to read thousands of pages of the books go through all the tests go through this brutal hours of training mm -hmm. brutal residency they are willing to just give your 10 years of life to be able to save somebody else's life. So when they think like, oh, and then they get paid or not paid, I don't, I'm not talking about what's enough or not. But by the time they're getting paid and stuff like that, they, that thought process still continues to be same. But I really think there's so much gap already created financially because by the time, you know, if somebody starts to work when they're 21, 22 or 20, the amount of financial stability or investment, the compounding which could happen in 10 years. And mm -hmm. by the time somebody who graduates 
graduates out of residency with this debt, you know, I really think there's just so much discrepancy that, and then you could think like, oh, now I'm making way more money Then why should I even like, there's a guilt around it as well. So I, I almost went through that part as well. And it, when I went into investing, when I started to think about investing and finances, when I was educating myself, I would not talk about it because I was like, oh, I don't want to be sounding selfish. Here in pandemic, everybody's serving. And yeah. I like clinical medicine, even though it was because of our family situation, my health situation, but still there was a guilt around it. Yeah, that makes it hard. So like with finances too, I mean, they it can be a healthy thing. It can also be an unhealthy thing. But like finances play into giving you these options to do things. I imagine you had to have had your finances in some level of order. Like you kind of downplayed it a little bit. You're like, yeah, you, you know, you didn't focus a lot on finances, but your finances have to be in pretty solid shape to be able to like make a shift like this or scale back. And so that's empowering in, in some level, or maybe it's just like, thank goodness, we can at least do this, this baseline thing. But I think a lot of people are stuck financially yeah. speaking, that can't even consider what we're talking about. Right. And that was so true. Yeah. And that's even more paralyzing on top of all the guilt and all the other stuff. And yes. the identity. And then and... they don't want to make decisions. They are like, oh, but I can't do it. I do not know what to do next. Mm -hmm. And then that's it. Yeah. I think life coaches are fantastic for that. So when you feel stuck or even therapy can be great when you're feeling stuck. I guess it kind of depends on what the cause is. Like if it's like a past experience, sometimes that's like therapy versus if it's just like, you're stuck and you're not sure what the future looks yeah. like or there's some like mindset issues or whatever coaching is great for getting unstuck and you got you got unstuck which is huge some people stay stuck forever but like kudos to you for getting unstuck and now you can tell you're more passionate about this direction you're going and land investing so maybe we can talk about land investing what in the world is i mean i kind of know what land investing is in investing in land but like talk about what that is and how you're turning how is that a business for you yeah so yeah they're different kind of like it real estate has so much variety at all different niches out there even in the land investing there are some different ways you can invest the way we do it is reaching out directly to the landowners and purchasing the lot at the you know cheaper price and then be able to kind of sell it in the market and make the profit in between and we try our best to kind of you know turn it around pretty fast like last year I did the, like, you know, did the whole calculation and our whole period for a property was like around 114 days on average. So we try to kind of, you know, buy and sell. We try to kind of, our goal is to buy for and sell for, and then we have some in inventory per month. So that's what our kind of goal is. And then I've created the system around it, build a team around it, and we mm -hmm. have our process, which everybody just continue to do their stuff so that we're able to kind of attain that goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a lot like, I mean, it's like any business. I think there, there's, that's the misconception is like we were talking about earlier. It's like you hear this idea that's like, I'd like to make money when I sleep. That sounds cool. Right. But like, so let's do real estate. But no, it's like, actually, you've got a fine tuned business. Really, yeah. I think your shift was from going to maybe like an employee-ish yeah. to like a business owner. Now you're a business owner. A business owner like is creating something bigger than themselves. And it's kind of like a fine-tuned machine. So when you can, when you're doing real estate, like dabbling, like we were saying earlier, yeah. like you're going to get eaten up because there's so many people like you that are like spending out, you have a team and you spend lots of hours on it. Mm -hmm. Like how in the world could someone dabbling yeah. compete and 
And mm. I mean, not to say that like you can't ever get to where you are, but like yeah. it takes, I think that's a yes. good, you're such a good example of like doing it the right way. Like, but it takes a lot of like time and energy mm -hmm. and good, smart people yeah. to do it efficiently yeah. because there's all different. I mean, it's complicated, right? Yeah, it is very complicated. It's very complicated. It did have like some benefits of like, you know, being a physician. I was always used to making those difficult decisions, right? Like when right. patients say this and that, somebody could die if you do this or that. I really think those analytical skills helped me. But other than that, everything was like loading from scratch on the ground while mm -hmm. this was happening. So just learning the process took way more hours than doing it because there's no curriculum out there where you read this book and you execute and everything will be fine, easy. Here you have to kind of, you know, as I said, as a business owner, you have to tweak a little thing, fine tune it and see if it worked or not. If not, then what else and this and that. I really think most of my time goes in that. Fine tune yep. business and the system and the processes in the back end. The mm -hmm. manual labor can be done by anybody else, but creating those systems is what takes most of my time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and tinkering and tweaking and mm -hmm. and problem solving. and But that's the thing, like physicians are like the smartest people I know like y'all are all super smart. So you're like kind of like really well positioned for. Yeah. I like that different thing, things. honestly. And that's why probably I don't miss medicine because I'm still doing something which is very challenging, intricate, important to me. So I find it exciting as well. So. Yeah. No, that's, that's excellent. Could you have imagined any scenario where you wouldn't have made this shift? Like, could there have been a story that you play out in your head that would have been like, maybe things would have worked out in healthcare? I honestly think if pandemic didn't happen, I would have not left clinical medicine. To be honest, like I am like 100% sure because I was immunocompromised and I was going to the hospital and stuff like that. But when pandemic came in, COVID was going to affect my lungs. I used to have you know, the pneumonias every four months. And I thought that's what it is. You know, it's related to my autoimmune, you know, it's my autoimmune condition. I didn't realize that me getting exposed to these viruses and bacteria are the what are causing this. So COVID, when I saw the pandemic came in, within a week, I realized that, oh my God, the extent of this. And I, I honestly saw, I didn't see myself out of, you know, COVID. I was like, gosh, COVID is what is going to take my life. Yeah. Because I was so immunocompromised, my lungs are affected in certain way with my autoimmune condition. I really think that's what it took over a weekend. I was like, I am. I talked to my husband. I was like, Are we willing to take the risk? I cannot see myself past this mm. pandemic, but I, I cannot leave job either. And at that time, there was shortage of masks, PP, you know, PPEs. I was like, wow, so the employers cannot provide you the mask. They will not provide you the PPE. And as a physician in a service mindset, I'm supposed to sacrifice my own life. And what right. will happen to my kiddos? I really think if pandemic didn't happen, I would have not left. I really think at that time, it was like choosing myself and my family versus serving in medicine. And I decided to just choose myself. Right. Family. Well, sometimes it takes like pretty yeah. substantial pain yeah suffering is where you yeah. grow but it was painful realization that for employers i was replaceable they could replace me any day but if something happened to me you know everything the whole things will change for the whole family of mine yeah your so, family doesn't yeah. replace you i mean it's yeah. a different ball yeah. game so yeah 
So I know that was like, that was a very like extreme situation, but you know, sometimes we have to, even if it's not real, I think we have to imagine those scenarios and then do what is right for us. Do you think if the pandemic hadn't hit, do you think you would have gravitated towards integrative medicine? I think no, because at that time, my mindset was still that, oh, I've done it for my own health, but I'm not a business owner. I cannot run the medicine or practice. And this hospitalist work, even though seven days were brutal, 80 plus hours, but I used to get three weeks off, which mm -hmm. I cherished. So I yes. really liked, so I, at that location was 10 minutes from my home, very beautiful facility. There were residents I could teach. So I really think I was enjoying that setting. And I thought that was my ideal jobs situation. And I would retire from there eventually. Mm -hmm. So now, so you're, you're, you've made the shift. Are you doing any medicine anymore? Are you hundred percent out or are you? No, I just kind of quit. And then I tried to, or thought that I would do health coaching, not telemedicine because mm -hmm. with practicing medicine, as you know, there are quite a bit of restrictions, the license, the malpractice, the state borders. We have to look at a lot of things. And at this time, I believe that it's just not worth me looking into that. So I'm not practicing at all. Yeah. So real estate's going really well and you've got a team and now you're even helping teach other physicians, right? Yeah. Like how to do yeah. it. Yeah. There was so much interest out there. I was like, you know what, why not? Because this has been life-changing for me. So I started to do that, which I find fulfilling as well. So mm -hmm. I really think I'm going to just continue these things, which I'm doing more passion projects in future, maybe. What does that look like for teaching physicians? So there is a kind of course, which is like recorded course. Everybody gets a module release every week. And then we do group calls mm -hmm. where we can brainstorm any questions or anything we can do. So it goes for 12 weeks and we open it like we just had one open. So we almost at the end, tail end of it, this whole June, it'll all wrap up and maybe I'll open it in a fall again. Yeah. That yeah. sounds like you're getting into flavor of kind of like what we do, because, <laughs> yeah. you know, that's like kind of like coaching-ish, hand-holding, mm -hmm. shortcutting kind yes. of thing. Because it's complicated, like you're saying, like you, you, that's the one thing. If, if you're listening and you like the idea of real estate, like you can't just like, go do it you got to educate a lot first and then think about hiring people like your team and have a plan and your ducks in a yeah, row i really and... think having a plan is what matters the most because each person is going to have different vision of their personal life how they want to live for me i was like very clear that i wanted to work from 9 to 12 virtually from computer and then take a lunch hour break and then for one wow. to three, i was like that specific like, this is what I want my future to look like, you know, and after yeah. that, you know, it should be optional. And that's yeah. when I realized that I could do telemedicine maybe during those hours, but who is going to be the employer who would allow me to just work within these specific hours? It would be hard. So I was that specific that I want my life to just look like this so that I can be working from anywhere as well. That was one of my other, you know, criteria. So I really think each one of us have to create our own vision and then see what can get them to that mm. vision. Yeah, that's we we spend quite a bit of time doing that with families too. Like what my experience has been that because we get to you know ask these fun questions like you know what's most important to you, like what is what do you, is your ideal future look like, and all those kinds of things. In my experience, it's fairly regular that people are like, I've never thought about this, and, and it's so interesting, right? Like I ask myself that question. And I realized that I never said, or even it came to my mind that I wanted to have a perfect day in the hospital. Like I would go in the hospital at seven o'clock, 
whatever, like the work was not there at all in my ideal day. And I was like, well, <laughs> I am the one and it's my life. I want to create the way I want. Why not create all those ideal days every day or right. for the vacations? Right. It's like, what do you love doing? Like, what are the things in your day that you value? I think it comes down to value. So like yes. yeah. my favorite quote, I say it all the time. It's like, don't tell me what's most important. Show me your calendar and your checkbook yeah. and I'll tell you what's most important. Yeah. But like, you know, the question is, what do you value? So if you're, you really value the work that you're doing now, like lean into that. But if you like, can't see yourself doing the things you're doing in your day to day, like makes, you got to make some changes. Yes. And that's the hard part is the change yeah. part. Like making changes can be difficult, but that's when other people, I think like we've thrown out some ideas. Planning is huge yeah. having a plan. But I think the other people around you is maybe even equal, if not more important. Like you had some people in your life that were like throwing in some influence, like life coach kind of people yeah. and friends and and and, and like in mentors. It sounded like like some some people around you. That's like a huge thing because yes. then you, they open your mind up to the possibilities. Yeah, like for me, freedom is my like probably the core value. Like I want to just feel free. I know right. none of us are like free, but I like to intentionally create so many freedoms, you know, freedom of time, freedom to work from anywhere, freedom mm -hmm. to take a day off if I want to, like, you know, short note, like just tell them, hey, I'm out today, if anything. So I really think that was one of the, which I could just never get when I was employed. So that's why I kind right. of so overwhelmed, kind of like so much pressure on me. I don't think there was pressure. It was just like, it was not aligned mm -hmm. because I could never feel free. My time was already committed to my employer and those were very extended hours of work mm -hmm. and so much commitment that when I came home, I was so empty that I just never felt free at all. Yeah. And it drains you. So if you're like, so if freedom is a value and family is a value and mm -hmm. those sorts of things, and then you look at your, so it's important to clarify those things, like getting, you know, a lot of times we don't quite keep that top of mind but when you put that top of mind and then you start to run everything through the lens of like lens of those how values. am i doing in relation so then if you look at your job and you're like oh yeah like nada like no, nothing that's the thing or, and then or that's you're what, like that's what happened to me too i like it just doesn't meet it was just meeting the need of like okay it was just exchanging that time for the income right and then, right. all, was there any then other you're doing way? it for the money. Yeah. It was it, eventually it came down to that because right. all that passion and serving where, why you went into medicine, eventually in the end, the passion was gone because I was very brutal, mm -hmm. you know? And then in the end I was like, but I can't leave because this is the only skill I have. I don't have any other skill to make money. Right. And that's and where I kind of feel felt too. But I was like, wow, this is just not aligned to my values. Even mm -hmm. though sometimes when I think right now, wow, I've left medicine. And I'm not going back. That just mm -hmm. seems like, but I'm like, gosh, but I'm free now. Mm -hmm. I'm living the life which I want. Yeah, yeah. It's I'm sure it's much more gratifying. Even if you weren't doing better or worse financially. Right, That's right. the thing. Like you want to like ideally you'd kind of make finances a non issue. Like right. they just kind of yeah. do their yeah. thing. But you know, it, the key is like living the good life. And I think I all I see a lot of times in, in medicine too, people struggle with their values and the values that are kind of, you know, forced on them yep. from the mm -hmm. system. So mm -hmm. like the system of medicine I'm talking about. So 
you know, if you say, for example, like your professional values are like to take the best care of the patient possible and give them the time necessary to do that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, be cordial and like have a relationship. And those are common things that people and say. Even friends and family members, because they have like, oh, you've worked so hard, you're a physician. I really kind of felt a little bit of that as well. But thankfully, my parents are back in India. They're not here in town, like telling me like, you know, these things. But yeah, there was that as well. They're like, oh, so you're not doing that anymore? You know, oh, like, in that yeah. Tone. yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, and it's it's a big so it's a there's so much pressure to to stay in the status yeah. quo and do it because that's how it's always been done. Yeah. But like you got to lean on what's most important to you. And yeah. nobody knows people don't understand what's actually happening behind the scenes. And the fact that like maybe the place you're working at is in complete conflict with what's most important to you. Mm -hmm. But like if you have a, if you like subject yourself to living in the condition of like complete conflict with your values at work. I think that's like the number one cause of burnout. I mean, like, oh my gosh, all these yes. Now I whatever, remember. But... Yeah. Like I never felt like laughing, smiling. It was not a normal thing because I used to be so stressed out. You could just tell, I could tell even looking at my pictures from before and yeah. after I quit, even in the pandemic, I'm like, okay, I'm just laughing in this picture and smiling on this one. But the other ones, I could just see that pain because I was just carrying that burden without even knowing it. I don't think I ever identified myself as somebody who was going through burnout, but I never knew what life was like without that because I just lived in that forever, like just being in certain kind of water and seeing through like blue you know smoke and that's how you have seen the world forever and when that smoke goes away everything becomes clear and you're like wow this is how it's supposed to look like but never knew yeah and it's once you hindsight's 2020 you're like man yeah thank, thank goodness i made some changes but you know good for you for making all those changes because the changes are like hard that's change is really hard especially when all the stuff you're describing it's like you went against the grain of what like the world is saying you should be doing or even your family is like mm -hmm. kind of implying like mm -hmm. and it kind of it, it if you look at it on the surface you're like that doesn't make a lot of sense to go through training and do this thing and get really good at it and then leave but like that's just that's not the full story yeah. and yeah and like is it worth like being depressed like no yeah. you know if you if it's and not... i go back to like i went to medical college when i was 20 and then i was like okay whenever i made that decision to go in medicine i was teenage so I was like, any, yeah. a teenager version of me cannot decide <laughs> how I'm going to like, you know, this is enough. Like I can make another decision and make a choice as an adult now again, you know, who is a parent as well, who is a wife, you know, who has two little girls. I can, adult version of me, like right now can make decision again to live 10 years or 20 years of my life differently. Like the teenager version of me doesn't get to dictate whole life of me. That right. was something which kind of changed my perspective right away as well. I was like, oh, I get to choose again, you know, and what would I like to choose? Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't even, like most people never know exactly what they want to do. But like in medicine, it's like you got to decide at such a young age and you're kind of like committing a really long period of time and even financially committing. And, you know, it's it's a big right. kind of lock-in, but. So educating yourself is huge, whether it's in real estate or personal finances, either way, like in your finances, I think 
financial literacy is a huge yeah. deal. Making a plan, having a team, we talked about that, and support and getting your mindset right. I know you've kind of done some hard work on that. And and if you feel like you don't have a good mindset, like that's coaching. Life coaches are fantastic mm -hmm. for that kind of thing. And having a values focus, which you've done, it, it's obvious that you're living in alignment with your values because you're happy. I mean, that's kind of the end re result of that. And I think when you kind of mesh all those things together, that's where you start. You have motivation to take action, like even if it's scary or, you know, hard work or big changes. And it's clear you've done a good job with all that. So nice work with but everything. Each day is still scary. Whenever I decide, yeah. to, oh, I'm going to be doing this. I'm like, really? It's going to be hard. But we'll yeah, but it's good hard. hard. It's like, yes. and who wants, I mean, everybody, it's weird because you want, everybody's like working to make life more comfortable. But like at the end of the day, if I ask myself, I'm like, do I actually want to live a comfortable life? No. Like I would rather no. yeah. live a courageous life. Like yep. courage is more important to me than like comfort. Yeah. But yet I'm like, you know, everybody's striving for comfort. So you have to remind yourself of that sometimes. And yeah. And well, I've enjoyed the conversation. I appreciate you coming on. We were talking about your businesses and we'll link to some of your, some of your websites to kind of, for you guys that want to learn more about this, they can go check it out. Fastfiremd.com is your website. So make sure to go check that out and you can find out more information, but it's been fun talking about this and congrats on all your yeah. success and good things going on. Thank you so much. It was so fun talking to you as well. You've been listening to Finance for Physicians. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to our show in your favorite podcast player. On this show, we believe that when you prioritize your finances, you take better care of yourself, have more fulfilling relationships with your families, and most importantly, provide higher quality care for your patients. If you feel this way too and want to learn more, then make sure to join our community. Follow the Finance for Physicians Facebook group for bonus content and sneak peeks on next week's episode. Thanks for listening.